0: You're listening to the Tennis.com Podcast, and here's your host, Ed McGrogan. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another edition of the Tennis.com Podcast. Ed McGrogan here today with Richard Pagliaro. We're going to talk about next week's WTA Championships uh, they'll start on Tuesday, Monday, uh, have some previews on the site. We wanted to get a little early jump on it. Actually, the last WTA championships in Istanbul, as you just informed me, Richard, I forgot about that, and uh, going to Singapore for five years.
1: Five years, yeah, 2014 to 2018.
0: Yeah, it's it's been a good run in Istanbul. I think the general opinion is that this has been one of the better um, better sites in WTA championships in particular, but really for any season ending tournament, you know, in either tour, this really picked up where I believe it was in Doha before. Um, right before right, Destiny. and it was
1: outdoors there.
0: Really, you know, I think there were some uh, crowd support issues there. It just this has turned into a pretty well attended um, event on all counts. And
1: uh, remember, even last year, Sharapova played that really, really late one in one a.m. match, and they people stayed there. I mean, yeah. I, it must be a late night city. I've never been there, but people stayed. I mean, they really good support. It seems from the outside looking in.
0: Yeah. And this last one here, you know, I, am not so sure how if the competition or the level of competition will measure up to the, uh, the support out there. And by that, I really mean that, you know, Serena is clearly, she's the undisputed and overwhelming favorite, um, based on what she's done this year, based on what she's done in the past, by any measure, this is clearly her tournament to lose and no one else's. Um, you know, what I wanted to ask, I think that's, you know, that's a known, is really how much does a WTA championship mean to her right now, and I think you can look at it a couple ways. You you know, it's not a slam, and it's not really unchartered territory for Serena, you know, unlike Rafa, for example, who hasn't won that year-end title, um, you know, clearly that would mean, I, th- I think everybody would, would admit that would mean a lot to Rafa if he won London, but, but, you know, lately, and especially in the last couple of years, Serena, once she has dedicated herself more to, you know, events beyond the slams, she seems to me just as determined and focused and, and maniacal almost to win everything in sight. And if she did that here, you know, to to cap off a really amazing season, one of her best, I think that would be pretty important considering how few losses she's had already up to this
1: point. I agree with you. I think it's been the season of Serena, and we're going to see the year-end tournament of Serena. I think the difference between the Serena Williams of today and and a few years – I mean, there were years, I remember, even when it was – the year-end was at Madison Square Garden where she would just blow it off. or I shouldn't say blow it off, but she, her and Venus were doing college at that – but she basically wouldn't play much after the U.S. Open, and now – she comes back as defending champion, dominated the tournament last year, and you could argue if she wins this tournament 11 titles in mm-hmm. one season, you could make a case this is her best season, even though, you know, two out of the four majors, and there's been the, the year she had the Serena Slam where she held all four simultaneously. I would say this is, you could make a case this is her best year, you know. Yeah, the and uh, I think now she's at the point when her name is in the draw. She's there to win. It doesn't matter if right. she's playing in you know that clay court tune-up in Sweden or if she's at the U. I mean, she's there to win every single tournament. The way the way yeah. she's performed, and, and she's
0: done know. that for the most part. Obviously, I mean, it, it, she's been so good this year that yeah. she theoretically could suffer, I believe, just about or one fewer loss. At this one tournament, if she's somehow lost all of her round rob matches, then she's lost the entire year elsewhere. Right, Just, right. Like, that's she's how, only, you know, yeah. that's something to, uh, you know.
1: I think since the loss to lasicki at Wimbledon, I was looking at stats, she's only lost four sets. Three Amazing. to Azarenka wow. and Eugenie Bouchard, the one set, she, the first set. She, I think that was Cincy she lost. But four sets since Wimbledon, I mean, that that's mind-blowing. Yeah, and,
0: and the ones she's won have been, you know, I would say the great majority have been – just straight set where she's just
1: taking people and and just dominant, right? Where she's not like four games into the match, you're like, This match is all like, if the uh, the opponent goes over an hour, it's a moral victory, is what you're thinking. She
0: beat Lee, you know, Lee Na, someone she may face here, I think, 0 1 1 recently, and just, you know, total, you know, one sided as it gets. I mean, even
1: that stretch at the open where Suarez Navarro, Lee Na back to back, where she just annihilated two pretty talented players. I mean, it was pretty impressive.
0: Carlos Suarez Navarro might be the. The happiest person not to qualify for the WTA Championships and be, with the fear of being placed in Serena's group after, after an Arthur Ashe you know evening yeah. to forget for her, yeah, um, yeah. You know, thinking about the the year end championships a little bit, I kind of wanted to just talk a little bit about you know this type of tournament as a whole. A couple, you know, last year I took a little bit of I took a lot of heat actually on this site for I think downplaying. The significance of, um, I was comparing some of Roger and Rafa's match against each other, and, and you know, they've met a lot in the ATP World Tour Finals, uh, Tennis Masters Cup, whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, I, I put one of their matches kind of on a distinctly lower level than the Slams are, and you know, I, I, you know, I think some people perhaps read it a little differently than I had intended. I, I think recently I've definitely turned you know, a corner on what players think of these year end championships and the value they perceive. And I think, um, I think they do treat it with great reverence, respect. They're very, uh, to qualify for it is a, is a significant achievement, no matter who it is, even if it's someone like Roger Federer, who's been there, you know, many, many times. He's even talked recently about how, you know, I don't think he's just blowing smoke about that. This is one of the events he really does play for and want to be there for. Um, yeah, I also think these events have been helped recently by the calendar getting pushed back and these aren't so late in the year anymore that it's if they come a little earlier in October um, instead of practically uh you know practically to Christmas time they're you know they used to be done it's it's a little bit of a stretch but I think you get what I'm saying there. Um, I but of course I'm not going to put any of these on a level of a slam. These simply are not slams. It's a format that is certainly very, very unique. And I think for an event that I, I don't believe we should be adding slams just for the sake of it, I think this is a perfect event to use this best-of-the-best best round-robin format. Um, and, you know, so I think, I think that's sort of my opinion on it. And we just talked about what a season-ending title might mean to Serena so, i kind of wondering what it might, what these events mean to you in terms of evaluating how players do with them and what it really means to them, you know, when assessing their whole career.
1: I I think they're really significant. I agree that I would put them below the slams in terms of priority and importance, but you look at, you know, ranking points, money, and I think you hit on it, the best of the best. I mean, you get to a final or win one of these titles against the best eight, you know that you had to beat the best players. And I, I think also technology has changed it. I remember when I was young, growing up, Masson Square Garden had the men's, and you'd see Borg, McEnroe, Con- and then when they started moving stuff around, you know, technology has helped because now on the internet, wherever you are in the world, you can pick up the matches, whereas years and years ago, you, you know, you would just be locked out if it was right. based on TV, so it's helped. I, I mean, I'll be interested in when they go to Singapore, how that's going to how that's going to affect just the media coverage and also people being able to see the matches. But I think it's it's hugely, hugely important. I think most players do look at it that way. I mean, you saw Wozniacki kind of griping about what happened with the Kerber wild card because she knows how important it is to get there and what it, yeah. and what it means. And I think it's also some players use it if they didn't have a season to their satisfaction. Hey, I'll go out and have a strong year-end kind of salvage a season. And other players, I remember the last year in L.A., I covered when Moresmo won it. She won the title. She used that as a springboard. Then a few months later, she won the Australian Open, and she had never won a major. People thought, calling her a choker, she'll never win. And that title really empowered her to believe she could take the next next step, which she did. Like a few months later, she won Australia. There's,
0: yeah, there's definitely been some good examples of that, and I think even last year when you um, you know Djokovic won on the men's side, and um, you know it. it not that it, you know, he goes on to win the Australian Open this year, but I think more that people thought of Djokovic's 2012 season as, I think, you know, one of the best, if not the best, on tour because really that World Tour final win was sort of the the clincher for it. I mean, this right. was last year was a breakthrough year for Murray, if you remember, at the Open, and it was also coming off of a, a year that Djokovic had that he was never going to possibly repeat and. And I think uh people were sort of hemming and hawing on who might, you know, be most deserving of that fictional player of the year title. And I think when Djokovic won it it was uh you know, it was people took notice and said, you know, I think that's really the key that uh you know Djokovic had that one slam and that title last year. So you know, I think it I think to it it means a lot no matter where you, how you slice it. I think some people may have it a little higher on the uh value of a tennis tournament than others, than others. But, you know, I'll close it by saying that Rafa or Serena is never going to trade a slam title for, right. her, no, no, not for one all. of these titles. And but you can even
1: look at Serena's career. Her interest in it has fluctuated. Like I mm-hmm. said, those years at the Garden, she, she easily could have went in there and played well and maybe won a few, but she just wasn't that into playing at that right. time. And now you see the hunger. She really, really turned it up there last year, and I'd expect her to do, you know, the same next week. Yeah.
0: So... Uh, let's look at the rest of the field. You know, San Serena here. Uh, it, the eight woman field was settled when Angelique Kerber qualified last week in Linz. Um, you can read more about Kerber and Linz and some of the other uh, stories we've done. That was kind of an interesting little side note how she got into that event. Um, but basically, who do you think has the best chance to really basically upset Serena at, at this tournament? You know, is it still Azarenka who. Obviously, has had the closest amount of success against her recently, but has but has struggled since the U.S. Open. You know, she's admitted it's kind of injury base. She, she's you know played a little more than perhaps she should have, you know, or is it someone else? You know, the other players in the field, you know, besides who I've mentioned are Rodwanska, Lena, Na, Arani, Irani, Yelena Yankovic. and we'll, we'll talk a little bit about a couple of them in, in in detail after. But you know, of the rest of the field. Who's got the best shot?
1: Well, had Azarenka not gone 0 oh, for Asia, you know, and, and also have the back issues that she's talked about, I would have definitely said Azarenka is the one because she beat her. And since he took a set off her in the U.S. Open final, hard courts are best surface. She's played well there in the past. But, you know, she hasn't won a match since the U.S. Open semifinals. It's a pretty long time, and you wonder about her back, if it's a nagging thing, if she's over it. I, I guess you have to go with her. Um you know, the thing with Radwanska that I really like is that she always plays, you know, I think she's been to the quarters or better eight of her last nine tournaments, only the U.S. Open. She lost fourth round. So she's always seems to play to what you expect. It's just if she had to play Serena there in a semi or final, there's no way in hell I could pick her over mm-hmm. Serena, especially indoors with her second serve and Serena's first serve. So I think she's she's one of those players that you can count on her being in the final four. I just can't, can't count on her beating Serena, so I would maybe even look out of the box, maybe if Lee Na got hotter. I, I always love Kvitova's game. It's just you don't know what you're going to get, and she plays way too many three-setters, and I think that takes a toll on her physically, but, you know, Kvitova's a former champion here, and she won it, what, two years, uh, 2011. She three, won and three-setters would be tough in
0: this format where there's, you know, not that much... Ra- you know, there is a day off, but there is also... Um, I believe each player is going to have to play at least one back-to-back day because right. this this only starts on Tuesday, ends on Sunday. It's very different than the way the ATP does it. They start on a Monday and actually end on a Monday, so they right. It's a mo- much more condensed for the women here. But I
1: think Kvitova, look, the year she won, she was like undefeated indoors. I mean, yep. she's great indoors because she's basically plays flat, you don't have the wind, her asthma, you know, the the whole breathing thing is not an issue. So, you know, if she were to get hot early, but for her, you know, those early matches are critical because, like you said, you don't want to expend energy fighting, you know, Radwanska or Kerber for two and a half hours, and then you come Which up is against. very possible. Right, and then you come up against Azarenka or Serena, and you just don't have it in the legs, you know, yeah. playing it, back-to-back.
0: Yeah, It's almost become cliche with, you know, the Kvitova discussion about her game, her capabilities right. and everything. but it does seem like you know that's that's the type of performance that would be needed. Against Although I Red.
1: would say, in her defense, if you ask me, is she more likely to win a condensed indoor tournament like this or a two-week U.S. Open where it's outdoors, it's humid, and I would definitely like her chances better here because mm-hmm. it's fewer matches and it's indoors. So yep. those are two great things in her favor. Yeah, and, think- and she did win a title recently. You know, she has won a title. You know, she was in New Haven final so she has put up some results us open was disappointing but she was sick you know
0: yeah the draw will make a i think a, a big difference right. uh you know obviously players that don't land in serena's group i think that's huge of course and then you know when you consider the semifinal and final you know the winner of that other group you know you know if we if we sort of assume Serena takes the top spot in her group you know the winner of the opposite group will avoid her as well so you know i think the draw is pretty pivotal for where that goes there so yeah um, absolutely Yeah, absolutely um so you know of those players we mentioned we we've talked about quite a few of them i think recently you know Cavitt of course Lee we've we've actually chatted about on the podcast a lot Azarenka um one that feels like almost the new kid on the block is Yelena Yankovic, which is strange to say because she's, she feels like she's been around forever. Um, And she has played this event many times in the past, but she hasn't qualified for it recently. Um, I believe you said it was 2010 was the last time she, she made the season-ending championships. So this is a a nice little comeback for her to get in this top eight. Um, You know, with Yankovic, there always seems to be, and there always almost has been, I feel like, there is there is that clear ceiling that you can see with yeah. her. Although she's definitely put together very exceptional weeks, um, especially at some of the small and mid-range events that she, you know, upper mid-range events, I would even say. Of course, as the former number one, she's reached slam finals. You know, it's st- with that in mind, I think most people would perhaps say overall her career you might consider sort of an underachievement considering how high she's been and how close she's gotten. Um, But, you know, if you take notice of who isn't at Istanbul and someone who has very similar credentials, former number one, been to slam finals, that's Wozniacki. So, you know, this is a nice run for Yankovic, a very strong year for her. But I kind of wanted your thoughts on really just Yankovic nowadays and kind of overall we've seen her for so long and you know exactly what you're going to get, I think, for the most part.
1: Yeah, she's like the the crazy friend you had in high school that you run into him five years later and you're just – she's still grinding it out, (laughs) still doing the – the stuff, you know, Doing I, something, I, yeah. yeah. <laughs> She's right. always up to something. I, I, I like watching her, and I think it, it is a little bit of a mini mini renaissance for her. And You and I were in Charleston earlier this year when she got to that final, took a set off Serena. I was watching her right. practice that week. She was really working hard. She looks super fit. Her fitness is always a strength. Her speed is always a strength. The backhand is always a strength. To me, it just comes down to... What's her other web? You know, her second serve is kind of weak. They're going to pound her. And what else can she do to generate offense against the bigger hitters like Serena and Azarenka? Because I don't think she can counterpunch them into air. You know, I mean, she can test them. She can engage them. I just don't think – I think that style, like you said, has a ceiling against the elite players. Right. I just think her game is a little bit broader. Like, she was a really good doubles player earlier in her career, won the Wimbledon – Mix, she just doesn't always use her speed in an offensive way. She uses it more in a counter punching way and she's been look, she's got the number one in the world doing that, so you can't you can't uh falter for that. I just think, uh, you know, it's a, it's a great result. I just, I can't see her like winning the title or anything like that. But, yeah. But I like the way the other little things, if you watch her, she compete, like, I remember that Charleston final, she'll go to the towel before Serena serves. She'll turn her, she'll do little things to try to throw you off your rhythm. And some people think, oh, yeah, oh, well, that's Yankovic kind of being, you know, the a,
0: drama queen, of a the drama tour. queen.
1: But hey, you know, she physically cannot hit as hard as those players. So to me, it's like, hey, that's Yankovic trying to be crafty and trying to use everything she can use because she knows if she doesn't disrupt Serena somehow on the serve, she's not going to break her serve. So she's got to do... And you know what? Serena seems to take it in a good spirit as Charleston or even the other, uh, the last final. She always gives her a nice embrace and a nice hug. They seem like it's a kind of a friendly... But she does that to Serena more than anybody, like really try to hold up her hand, stall her on the serve, and just try to... She, so she's... I think those little things, she's, uh, she's a veteran that'll use kind of like anything she can use. And it's the first time I feel like I've heard anybody talk, speak uh, highly
0: of her for all of that, you know, non-actual point playing right. stuff. But it, it, it is a good point. It's, you know, there is plenty more to tennis than just, the ground strike
1: Well, hey, them. even last night I was watching the the Dodger game, and you saw the guy kept stepping out of the box, stepping out, trying to get the pitcher a little bit, you know, discombobulated, get his timing off. And look, you know, some people you want you wouldn't want to see that if you're the server. It's obviously annoying, but I can't fault her for doing that because she's trying to play the game on every level and try to drain every edge she can because physically she's just not. She doesn't hit as hard, but I think her movement is still. She moves beautifully. Covers the court so well. You know? Yeah.
0: Let's um. Let's close with you know perhaps a a last word on two players that just missed the cut in Istanbul, um, who finished tenth and eleventh in the race because uh you know Sharapova pulled out, so the top nine technically got in. You know number ten at the moment at least. This is uh, October. Or this is no. October sixteenth, um, you have Wozniacki who finished just outside the first spot, and Sloane Stevens uh, currently eleventh. Um, perhaps some parting thoughts on both those two women—the year they have had. I think you kind of get you you kind of get some different opinions on both. You know, Sloane taking, I think, really uh, becoming more of an all-around, all-year player. She, you know, this was the year. She's still so young, but. You know, she delivered on more than just the slams, even though she she has kept that big match, big tournament image and upheld it very well, considering what she did at Wimbledon and Melbourne. Um, Wozniacki, I'm not sure if you if you think this is kind of uh, a, a fall off for her, considering where she's been, you know, somewhat recently and, you know, just not able to make the top eight this year, and, and she was always a mainstay there.
1: Yeah, I would say, you know, just based on this year, it seems to me like there are two two players going in different directions. I like Sloan's game a lot. I like where she's going. It's just, to me, it's like Sloan, you got to bring the intensity that you bring in the majors and the focus to every single tournament. I mean, she just looks adrift sometimes. And some of these regular, even the first round of the Open, she just – she just spaces out sometimes, where you cannot afford to third just, set breaker,
0: right? Yeah, you yeah. can't.
1: You know, you can't just drift and have you. You know, you got to come out there with intensity. Like, look at someone like Irani. Like to me, she does not have this overall explosiveness and overall skills of a Sloan Stevens, but she always competes. I would say almost always harder because she fights. She invests in every point, and I think sloan has got to get more diligent about every point. I mean, she just. I don't want to say she gets cranky, but she just her mind goes in and out. The intensity is And not she's got there. the game. To just, and she has the game. And anyone game. who says she doesn't have the game, I don't know what you're watching. Because this girl, she's got the serve. She's got the return. She might be the fastest woman in tennis. She's got a big forehand. It's just putting it all together. And also mentally and I think emotionally, just going all in every time you step out there. You can't kind of float your way through matches and just turn it up at the critical points. But she's young, you know. So to her advantage, I think she's Going to learn from that. I just like this. The good thing for her is that she's shown you she can do it on every single surface. Yes. You know the questionable thing is she's never been to a final. She's never won a title. So we're talking all about potential, but I believe her potential is very. I believe her upside is higher than a Wozniacki who has been number one in the world and been in major finals. I know that sounds strange to say that, but I do believe. It's her pretty up highly spoken
0: of for Sloan, but I I can see what you mean there, obviously. But you know,
1: Wozniacki, look, you got to give her credit. She she fights hard. She plays hard it's just to me like you gotta make some adjustments in your game you gotta find offense from somewhere because you're not gonna run serena or vika or you're not just not gonna run them off the court even sharapova look at the indian wells matt you know you're it's just gonna take you so far but it's not gonna take you back to where you want to go and the coaching is always a question you know are you gonna cut dad loose or at least you know not have dad travel with you year round and get a real Solid, it seems to be an issue with her that she can't she's unable or unwilling to make that break, and so I think for her to take the next step and really evolve her game that's necessary in my opinion whether she does it i you know i don't know i can't yep. say
0: uh I'll, well trivia to to officially end things do you know who right now is twelfth place in the race to uh istanbul oh okay well, you've mentioned the top eleven. See if you guys at home can figure this out while Richard uh, does his I best final I would guess, does a, his best a, final Ivanovic,
1: Jeopardy. I would guess?
0: The answer is, or the question is, if you want to go Jeopardy route again, Miss Marion Bartoli. Oh, God, yes, that's a good the, question. Uh, the, the Wimbledon champion who we saw about three seats away from me at press row at the U.S. Open. Uh, quickly moving on, though, it, <laughs> you know, obviously... I think it goes without saying. Comeback. I'll tell you, of all it the former
1: players, she's one player that like, she gets excited watching tennis. A lot of players that just mm, retired, they just want to be done. They don't. She, I've seen her watch matches. She gets into it. She yeah. loves it's kind of cool to see. You
0: yeah, know? we'll see. Uh,
1: it's too bad she wasn't. Still. I liked watching her.
0: Comeback wouldn't surprise me in the least. I'm sure no. it wouldn't you either, no. either. Hey, her um, and Hingis
1: played doubles together, We really.
0: Yeah, there you <laughs> go. Um Good. So we will uh, reconvene next week during the WTA Championships and as the ATP moves closer to its season-ending tournament in London. uh, Thank you again to Richard Pagliaro with his vast encyclopedic (laughs) knowledge of Carlos Suarez Navarro and other things tennis. And I'm Ed McGrogan. Thanks for listening again to Tennis.com Podcast.
1: You've been enjoying Tennis.com's weekly podcast. Thanks for listening. For all the latest news and events, head over to tennis.com.